Hello, and welcome to today's episode of Small's Talk, the show about everything happening at Mr. Small's Theater, Fun House, Cafe, and beyond. On today's show, we're happy to feature an interview with Pittsburgh band Yarrow and the Static with a live performance filmed at their June 1st show in the Fun House. We're also going to rewind to share some unreleased past interview footage with Between the Barrier to Me from the 2017 show at Mr. Small's Theater. But first, we're going to give you a rundown of our upcoming shows. Thursday, June 27th. Mr. Smalls presents Chicago Jazz Fusion Band Marvin at the Funhouse at Mr. Smalls. Doors open at 7, show starts at 8. Friday, June 28th, the Consortium and Mr. Smalls presents Dressy Bessie, Potty Mouth, and Colleen Green at the Funhouse at Mr. Smalls. Doors open at 8, show starts at 8.30. Friday, June 28th, Opus One presents Harkin's Help Me, I'm Alive album release show at Mr. Smalls Theater with Pet Clinic, Calyx, Derider, and DJ Sykes. Show starts at 7 o'clock. Saturday, June 29th, Mr. Smalls presents the Metal Immortal Festival at Mr. Smalls Theater, featuring Razor, Night Demon, Lady Beast, and many more. Doors open at 4 o'clock, show starts at 5. Sunday, June 30th, Mr. Smalls presents Mineka at the Funhouse at Mr. Smalls, touring off the release of their new album, Never Nowhere, out on Exploding and Sound Records on July 26th. They'll be joined by Sunny Falls and locals The Zells and Swamp Walk. Doors open at 7, show starts at 8. Saturday, July 6th, Mr. Smalls presents Stack Like Pancakes album release tour at the Funhouse of Mr. Smalls with Kalana Sauer and Solios. This is the first Solios show in three years, so be, to, be sure to catch them on their return. Doors open at 7, show starts at 7.30. Saturday, July 6th, Opus One presents the Outlaw Hippie Showdown featuring Garage Space, Bad Friend Ben, Playgrounds, and Day Shift at Mr. Smalls Theater. Doors open at 7, show starts at 8 o'clock. Wednesday, July 10th, the Consortium and Mr. Smalls presents Sebelzine with Ishtar and 8-Cylinder at the Funhouse and Mr. Smalls. Doors open at 8 p.m., show starts at 8.30. That's everything we have for the next two weeks. Tickets are available to purchase without the service fees at Mr. Smalls' daytime box office, Monday through Friday, 12 to 5. And remember to come check out our Acoustic Cafe open mic every Monday in the Funhouse. Sign up start at 6 o'clock. My name is Eli Yarrow. Um, I'm uh, Aiden Simmons. And I'm Colin Frink. Uh, and we are Yarrow and the Static. So be with me and I. Be with me. For the album we made, it started about a year and a half ago. I met this person named Joseph Carringer at a recording camp at a Mr. Small's recording studio. And Joseph and I we kind of clicked. I, I had written a song called In the Middle, which is on the album, and I was playing it, and he, he heard it, and he's like, yo, what's that song? And when I played it for him again, he's like, guys, we gotta record this. We went right to the recording booth, and we recorded that, and Colin was, Colin played acoustic bass on that, on that yeah, track. It didn't end up, it didn't end up on the album, we, we tracked everything, but we got the idea there. And, it, and that idea, and that vibe, we all just kind of dug it and we knew that we wanted to keep doing more. started like the first recording we did was the first half was the acoustic and then, then we had like it was a separate song where we went into a uh, faster paced electric version. Uh, and then we sort of just turned it into the one song too, instead of just splitting it into two. Because we thought that on stage it would make a really cool 
really cool thing where we could play a fully soft song and then still using the same lyric, kind of turn those lyrics. So for the first time, for the first time, the lyrics are kind of explaining someone who's just who's trying to get above this recent loss. But then the second one, they're getting angry and and know that they they can be more than this this whole loss. And so after after that recording session, Joseph and I kept in touch, and we took we took two weekends in Dara PA, and Colin came and we recorded for two weekends there. Uh, playing all the songs, writing, and helping this whole whole album come to like reality, and eventually Joseph and I we uh, mixed and mastered it for about six months before it actually was released. It took a while to get that, but it's finally here. It's, we're really proud of it. My first time doing the Real Life Music Camp, it was really an eye-opening experience because I had never been in a studio before, like a real studio. And, and it, made me, it made me realize that music can be more than just playing guitar in your bedroom. It can, it can be this whole new experience and this whole new, like hearing your song out loud is amazing. And it's, it's given me a drive to create more songs and given me a drive to play. And I found Colin at Real Life Music Camp two summers ago and it just without that we wouldn't be here right now. How about you Colin? So um, uh, the first year I did it was uh, two coming up on three years ago now and it was really uh, my first time playing with an actual group outside of like the school jazz band or something but uh, just when we first got started it was just uh, me, Eli and we had another uh, drummer too but we didn't have a guitarist either so uh, when I first my first experience trying to actually play with the band, it was, I was trying to cover both the uh, bass line and the melodic part to it, so that uh, sort of influenced a lot of the way I've learned to play now too, with mixing in a lot of chords and stuff, like, and it's just sort of influenced my style, I guess, and it was my first introduction to, uh, like, an actual recording studio and music technology and helped me to get my, my passion for that as well. We released the music video for Mockingbirds Can't Be Dubs. Um, I think it was because it was one of those songs that it only took like two or three takes to put it down because there was something about the magic of that that song and it's it's kind of high but you can hear some like low it's one of my favorite lyrics that I've ever written because it tells a story from beginning to end and I felt that and I felt that that song could be portrayed in a music video really well so what we did was it was it was probably like 10 or 11 at night and we had just had a full eight hours of recording and you said you know what let's just go outside and shoot a music video and so oh, do it so we spent like two hours doing it outside it was freezing it was like 25 degrees <laughs> that day so we'd have to we'd go out 25 minutes and then we'd go back in and we'd go out 25 minutes and come back in and you can probably see in the music video how cold i was but it was it was such a cool experience to do because when you can provide, provide like a visual element that kind of helps the whole song take take flight. It's really it's really a cool experience. I really like playing in the middle because it's like the soft and then fast thing, and Marvin his crazy drum solo and that like that that's the most one of the most fun in my opinion because I feel like like the crowd's feeling it, we're feeling it. It's just good energy. Um, my second favorite is uh, 
aria, which we uh, closed with tonight, uh, that that one is just, I, I if, you, <laughs> if you saw me on stage, I was like really getting into it, and it's, it's just, I, I feel that song a lot, and it's, it's just got really a good groove and power to it. Things don't always what they seem. You can never just be yourself now. The energy of this stage and all the all the people in the audience and just playing and, and knowing that everyone in the audience was just having a blast and that, that we were having a blast and it just kind of made this really awesome like, vibe of this whole place and it was really, it was really crazy. Why are we here? think of like advice for people transitioning to adulthood I uh I really have to always come back to the same thing this is like know knowing that you are gonna mess up at some point but the most important part is trying to figure out okay what did I do wrong and how can I come back from that learn from that and become a better person and and I, I, f I feel like that's one of the most important things because like being being able to like come back from something you did wrong and be stronger it just makes you a better person as a whole and it's a, it's a good learning experience, and you can be like, yeah, I, I did this, but what good came out of it, what bad came out of it, how do I make myself better? And uh, it, it's just good to be able to know how to, how to do that. That's, that's like really the biggest advice I have. Make sure to download A Letter to a Youthful Mind by Yarlene Static. It is out on all major streaming services, Spotify, Apple Music, Google Play, Google SoundCloud, everything, everything. Oh, SoundCloud, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Whoa. And um, 
all, all social media, at Yarrow and the Static. You can find our website, yarrowandthestatic.com. We'll look up some more stuff, some interesting facts, and, and things about the album. Um, but make sure to follow us, subscribe to us on YouTube, and just really check out our music. Richardson, I play drums in between the buried and me. The band started in 2001 in the Charlotte area. I joined the band at the tail end of 2004. When I joined the band at that time, that was like my second opportunity. They had contacted me when I was in high school to play drums for them, and uh, I was a little too scared to drop out of high school to start touring <laughs> in a full-time band. So I went to NC State for a couple years and then joined up with them, and I was like, yeah, let's see how it goes. And then uh, the rest is kind of history. We just been putting out records and touring ever since. I think collectively a lot of the big influences for Between the Bear to Me are Opeth's definitely up there, which is really cool because we've gotten a tour with them um, a couple times. Pain and Salvation's up there. Um, and these also are influences for me personally too. Old, uh, a lot of the old Dream Theater stuff, we're all collectively into King Crimson, Pink Floyd, things of that nature if um, you're trying to get away from the heavy stuff. Meshuggah, me personally, I'm into a lot of film scores, virtuoso kind of drummers that uh, don't really get a lot of notoriety, but I'm just... I kind of cling to things that are very rhythmic in nature, so yeah, that's kind of my, my influences for sure. Yeah. 
between the Berenice's favorite tour was probably the Prague Nation tour we did with Dream Theater and Opeth. That was that was up there. Three was on it as well. That was pretty cool. That that was 2008. Kind of came full circle because we did the first show on that tour was just us and Dream Theater, and we were opening up for them in Mexico City. And Portnoy, who was playing drums for them at the time, was like. Yo, we guys want we want you guys to play open up for us in, in Mexico City. It's already a sold out gig. It was like at their national auditorium. It was like ten thousand people, so it was already the biggest show we probably ever played. And uh, it was like, yeah, but you gotta play colors all the way through. And so we're like, alright, cool. So we uh, had to rehearse that whole thing, and and we just that was the first day of tours. So it was already hectic as as all hell, and then. We had to play to like 10,000 people sold out. I think I looked out into, into the crowd probably like twice because it was just like this endless sea. It was like a theater setting, so it was just like this endless sea of people that all, all went all the way to the top. So I was just like, oh God, too big. Uh, but yeah, it was fun. That was a really fun tour. We had a good time. Day in the life when we were on tour consists of waking up anywhere between 10 a.m. and 1 p.m. Uh, and then we try to find the best coffee shop that is in with it that is within a uh, two-mile radius. We go there and then come back. Usually set up, sound check, and do all that stuff. I've been doing drum lessons on this tour, so I'll try and sneak in a couple of drum lessons after a sound check, and then uh, then it's hurry up and wait after that. <laughs> it's like, there's stuff around, you know, we'll go, uh, we'll go explore a little bit, so it, it depends, it varies from city to city. The bigger cities, we're, we're usually pretty busy with, you know, interviews and things of that nature, but I try and keep, uh, I try and keep as busy as I can. I don't get to venture around, no bell too much. We went like three blocks down to a coffee shop. <laughs> Pittsburgh I have, like we'll go hang out there. We always go to Pamanti Brothers and all that stuff. But yeah, yeah. But it's a, it's a cute, cute town. I like it. This is like, uh, I just talked to a guy, when I, I gave a lesson to a kid and his dad came and he was like, yeah, I got married here when I was a church back in 1987. <laughs> I was like, yeah, it's got a cool history. Like, it, I just love the interior look of it and everything. We've always, we always like playing here. It's kind of like one of our staple, you know, favorite venues for sure. We've played here a few times. I think the first time we played here was around 2006 when we were opening up for the Dillinger Escape Plan. And then again, probably around 2009, we played with, uh, that was the first time I met the John Per Cowboy guys. That was, they, they opened up that show. That was kind of crazy. Uh, and then, yeah, I think one other time, somewhere in there, we actually played with Opeth here, I think. It was like on an off day for that Prog Nation tour. 
we like playing in smaller venues. We just we always have like that. I think it's just the kind of music that we play is more conducive to a room that is, you know, a thousand cap or lower. I think the bigger the venue, it just gets muddy and it just it, the sound just doesn't travel well. Um, that was the only thing that was kind of weird about that Dream Theater tour that we did is most of the venues were seated, so it was just kind of like it was a weird vibe to see like. 60-year-old couples right up front just looking at Tommy scream his, his lungs out. <laughs> uh, but you know, it's, it, it, was, it was still a fun tour. pre-show rituals. Tommy warms up his vocals for like five minutes. I probably do some doodling on a pad, on a drum pad for at least five minutes. Uh, and the other guys, yeah, they, they, they do their typical, I don't know, whatever they do on the guitar. I don't know what how you warm up on guitar, but I don't play guitar, so I don't know. Um, yeah, just your typical kind of everyday warm up sort of situations. Just gotta go up there and have fun. Like we, we try not to make a big deal out of it. I always wanted to be involved in music somehow, one way or another. Um, and it kind of just worked out. For me, I feel like I've gotten really lucky. I got in with the band at the right time. It was a perfect opportunity, and it kind of it kind of worked itself out. I think my backup is um, I wanted to be a UPS truck driver. I think that's pretty sweet. Uh, <laughs> and then my uh, also when I get back home, my wife runs a Pilates and Megaformer studio, and I just got certified in training some of that. So I'm gonna start teaching some classes. <laughs> Some advice that we would give to kids starting out with music. I would try to learn as many different instruments as possible, or at least learn as many that you kind of appeal towards. Uh, one of my biggest regrets is not learning piano at a young age and not learning guitar at a young age. I feel like that's especially piano because that's very useful in the long term because you can, if you have your roots seated in piano or things of that nature, you will better be able to speak the musical language the further you get into your career. Kids that are aspiring just to 
just to be musicians and have, you know, shoot for that dream. For one thing, stick with it. Two, have something. My thing is, there's this really cool interview with, with Mike Rowe, the Dirty Jobs guy. He has this interesting take on it where he says, um, you may be put in a situation where you may not be able to follow your passion, but you can always bring it with you. So if you're in a situation where being a musician is not going to pay the bills, that's fine. Like, that's totally cool. But that doesn't mean you have to stop being a musician or stop being a player. Like, and that's what I tell kids a lot. Like, if there's no shame in doing something else in the meantime to make a living, but also play drums or piano or guitar at the same time, because you always have that musical outlet, you know, no, no matter what kind of setting you're in. Um, but if being a full-time musician is your passion and that's what you want to go for, for the long haul, then pursue it. Just at, at, at any means that you can. Like, I feel like it's, it's attainable. If I can do it, anyone can do it. That's a catch-22 because in a lot of aspects it's helped our career for sure. Uh, we have attained a much larger audience than we probably would have without the internet. Um, I think that's a big part of it and I think that goes, goes the same with any band in general. It's so much easier to get your music accessible to anyone all, all over the world now, thanks to the internet. But as far as making a living off of, you know, album sales or, or anything of that nature, that is not really an option as far as being a full-time musician goes. So really your main source of income is pretty much from touring or any sort of supplemental income that you have with it. So. In a way, it's kind of cool because it really filters out the people who really want it. The bands that are willing to tour and play for a live audience, it's like those are the ones that are going to survive because those are the ones who can make a living off what they do. The one, the people that don't want to do that, no one's really buying records, so they're not really going to be able to make a living just off their music, so that's kind of what's cool about it. Um, but hey, you know, I, you know, I love the internet. <laughs> it's, I mean, yeah, it, it changed the music industry forever, uh, but I don't think it's necessarily in all bad ways. I think a, a lot of good has come from it. message to our fans is thank you and you are the reason why we get to do this for a living.
Yeah.